welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I am your host, Jamie, and I am so excited that you're here. Each week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. If you're a longtime listener or if you're new to the Happy Hour, I want to mention the Christmas special I did a few weeks ago with my friend, Jen Hatmaker. Make sure you listen to that episode in these last few days before Christmas, because beyond having some really great gift ideas... The episode itself talks a lot about great companies doing really amazing things. I super encourage you to check out that episode number 63 if you haven't. Today's show of the happy hour is sponsored by Mad Marketplace. The vision of Mad Marketplace is so simple, to create a global consumer movement that matters. They're not just words. We want the difference we make to be global. We want consumers to know of ways to be good stewards when they shop. If we all shop with the hope to make a difference, our spending creates a movement and that matters. Who says that shopping and making a difference don't go together? There are clearly more problems around us than there are solutions. Most of them are quite daunting. Poverty, hunger, human trafficking, orphan care, and so many more. As consumers, we can choose to buy differently and be a part of the solution. The mission of Mad Marketplace is to tell stories, sell products, and help people. Mad Marketplace's products give back in different ways. Some examples include buy one, give one, Proceeds that participate in micro-lending, sustainable living wages, empowering women, meal for meal, drop for drop, and restoring hearing. No matter what you buy, every purchase has a purpose. Mad Marketplace offers the consumer a different way to shop, a different reason to buy, and more than one way to help. Customers may choose products that vary from peanut butter, baby blankets, coffee, lamps, statement jewelry, rain boots, that just names a few. Check out themadmarketplace.com and be ready to make a difference this Christmas. And just for happy hour listeners, they have a special for you, 25% off with the code MADHAPPYHOUR25. That's themadmarketplace.com. Guys, you're listening to episode number 67, and today's guest is my friend Sarah Bessie. Sarah and I talk about so many wonderful things, stuff like how to find your identity when you love your kids and family but have a desire to exist beyond those things. We also talk about journeying through miscarriage and the story behind Sarah's pregnancy with her daughter Maggie. Guys, make sure you listen to that story and its effect that it had on Sarah. Sometimes when I listen to podcasts, I want to send the podcaster a tweet right then to answer their question or tell something I love. And so if you feel like you want to do that to us, we welcome it. If you want to chat with Sarah and I about anything from the show, feel free to send us a tweet. I am Jamie underscore Ivy and Sarah is at Sarah Bessie. That's S-A-R-A-H-B-E-S-S-E-Y at Sarah Bessie. You can find us on Twitter. Guys, here is my conversation with my friend Sarah Bessie. Okay, Sarah, thanks for coming on my show. This is great. I have so much. I hope that you're ready to verbal process with me about something. Okay, I hope I am too, because I'm a terrible verbal processor. You know this about me. I know. (laughs) I am a a verbal processor, and I go around and around and around and around and around, and then I, like, change my mind 800 times. I'm like, okay, this is where I feel, okay? So I'm going to have you help me with this. But I think it's going to be in your wheelhouse, so you're good. Um, Okay, I've been listening to a new podcast. Okay. I'm going to pull it up so I make sure I know exactly what to tell you. First of all, before we get going, I introduced you, I will, in the thing. I introduced you, but just tell everyone that's listening, like, who's Sarah Bessie? If you, not a formal introduction that you write down and you send in your bio. <laughs> Who is Sarah Bessie besides the bio that everyone reads? So basically, no third person talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I think probably, uh, you know, I'm Canadian. That's Which, one of the things not a lot of people, you know, miss right off the bat uh-huh. as soon as I open my mouth. Um, so I'm from Western Canada, 
um, which is um, just in like uh, Vancouver. I'm in a city just outside of Vancouver, um, which is, you know, I could play it cool and say that it's not as beautiful as it looks in the pictures, but it's actually totally even better. Is. <laughs> I know my geography in life is bad. I know zero about Canada. Like when you, if you wouldn't have described where Vancouver was, for all I knew, it could have been like above New York. Like I have no idea where <laughs> anything is in Canada, which is sad because I'm like, sad. you know, it's 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 it a wonderful sad. country right next to us, and I I've never been. Oh, you should absolutely. I know. Come. I hear it's wonderful it and beautiful. It is. it is, you know, and I really love where we live. We're right between the mountains and the ocean, and so it's just. Lovely, but it's not quite as cold as the rest of Canada. I grew up more in the prairies, and so I am very over shoveling snow and scraping windshields. So this feels pretty good. Good. Um, other than that, uh, my husband and I have been married for nearly 15 years. Uh, we met in university. He's from Nebraska, and, uh, and we met I in love. university. Yeah, and so then we lived actually in Texas for a few years together, and then I brought him back home, and uh, and we've been back home for probably about 10 years now. Was that a hard pull? Like, he's a Nebraska guy, you were in Texas, and then you're like, hey, let's go back to Canada, where I'm from. How was that? <laughs> you know, it was actually pretty good. I mean, right from the start, I think Brian always really loved Canada, loved, um, you know, kind of our people and our ethos and, you know, just the energy of the West and all those things. And so he felt really at home here. Um, but I think the thinking you want to live in a place and living in a place can be very different. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like how you kind of romanticize uh -huh. it almost. And I think that might have been where he was. And then that first year or two was huge culture shock for him. Yeah. Um, sometimes people think that there's not a lot of differences between, you know, Canada and, and America. Um, you know, but he, it was definitely there for him. And so it took a little while for him to kind of get his feet underneath. But I mean, I was really happy he wanted to, yeah. to move home to Canada. And we were wanting to start a family and my family was all here. And um, yeah, there were just a lot of different, different factors. But we were, I was really ha happy to come home. I was, you know, um, I'm a Canadian girl, really right yeah. to the core. I can't imagine living anywhere else and yeah. feeling at home anywhere else. And so uh, I've tried my best, but I'm bad at it. So, <laughs> but you guys get down to Nebraska. I mean, y'all, yeah, y'all yeah, are good at coming down and visiting. So that's yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Brian's family is really good about coming up and seeing us as well. And so that helps. Um, we don't get down quite as much anymore because we have four kids. Everything and changes. Plane tickets is yeah. just like it's extortion. Ex it's crazy <laughs> expensive. <laughs> that's I always tell my kids. I'm like, we will never fly together as a family anywhere. Like. How can we afford six plane tickets? It is so crazy expensive. It is prohibitive. And it so we've actually even started over the last couple of years picking a point kind of in between Nebraska and Vancouver and just meeting like, you know, somewhere in Colorado or in Washington State, uh, um, you know, where we can drive there or it's uh -huh. a quick one flight for us as opposed to, you know, a lot of connectors yeah. and like that. And then we just have a week together on holiday mm -hmm. um, as opposed to you know, going all the way to Omaha, which yeah. can be a bit harder to get to. Well, but. I can tell you this. I went to Montana last summer, two summers ago, yeah. something like that. It and awesome. it, it is like the, one of the most beautiful places in the world I've ever been. And so I can even just imagine what your world looks like. Yeah. It's kind of like one of those sleeper hits. Like nobody really comes because they want to go to the big places yeah. and then they come out and all the rest of us are like, shh, don't tell, <laughs> don't <anybody."> tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. That's like our favorite place in Mexico. Whenever we come home, we have another couple friend that we go with. They're like, don't tell anybody where we went because people will start to show up. <laughs> it's wonderful. Oh. Sarah, one of my favorite things about you, as I've gotten to know you over the past couple of years, 
is um is how much you love your family like mm. it it just like overflows from you like when you talk about being a mom it is there's something about it that I'm I'm a little bit envious of um and it, it just is like it's so beautiful like you you love being a mom and mm-hmm. it's it's, 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 it shows. And so you have four oh kids. Um, you told me nine, seven, four, and then your new one, seven months old, which I want to talk yes. about that whole thing of the <laughs> new one. Um, yes. but first, this is what I want to chat with you about a lot is because I know that you do both very well. You do work very well and you do motherhood very well. And somewhere along the line, people started to figure, think that you had to pick one or the other, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think that we struggle with this as moms and your work as a writer, but anybody's work could be whatever it is. Um, how do you do both well? Because I think that you do. And so you might be thinking, I don't, Amy. Um, (laughs) I'm right. I don't know whether to like laugh or cry over that. But my thing is, I think that it's probably been a struggle for you. I would imagine, um, it's been a struggle for me. And I know that there are people listening that are like, I want to be a great mom and a great fill in the blank, like whatever it might be, whatever you do in life. How, how do you do both of them well? Well, first of all, thank you. Um, I don't know that I really do both of them well all the time. Uh, and I was really surprised um, by how much I enjoyed motherhood. I was never someone who, you know, just longed to have babies and, you know, anything like that. I mean, I think I quit babysitting when I was 14 because I had to figure there had to be a better way to make money than that. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, it was never really my, my thing. And so how my life was kind of turned inside out and, and how much I um, joy I got out of sort of those daily rhythms and raising my children and, and the things that I enjoy about it. But there's a lot of things about motherhood I don't really enjoy or that I'm not really good at. Um, you know, and it's the same thing, you know, from a, a working perspective. When I initially had children, I was still working full time uh, outside the home. Uh, my background is more in marketing and in, um, you know, project management and that kind of work. And I did that working full time, you know, for a lot of years. I didn't actually become, you know, more of a stay-at-home mom slash writer uh, until almost probably about two years ago. So, you know, most of my motherhood time has been like my real job, writing somewhere in the middle of that. And then, of course, also, you know, your family uh-huh. and you want to have a marriage somewhere in the midst of uh-huh. all that and be a, be a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the different things that yeah. are going on. Um, so in terms of, of how it all, I guess, fits together is I've pretty much decided that the idea of balance is crap. Okay. Mm. Tell me more. Makes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, there's just sort of, you know, you, there's times where it looks like a bit of a mess. Um, but I feel like, um, you know, there's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's perhaps hard to maybe articulate because, there's seasons where I really, you know, put my thumb and, and really focus heavily on, you know, something that's going on with my children or something that's happening in our home or whatever else when they really need, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe a lot more presence or a lot more time um, and intentionality. But on the same token, I think that it's really good for my children to see me loving what I do. Mm-hmm. 
And I think it's really good for them to see me pursuing my passions and to see what that looks like. I think it's good for them to see me as a whole person as opposed to just one role in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I have really learned to love is kind of almost sharing those things together, having them be part of it instead of kind of creating these false demarcations in my life of, you know, this is my sacred work and this is my, you know, my secular work uh-huh. or this is my mom life and this is my work life. Uh-huh. Um, the more those things are seamless and kind of connected uh, to one another, I feel more holistic, I suppose. Mm, I feel yeah. more, you know, engaged with each one of them. Yeah. But I wouldn't want anybody to sort of look at it from the outside and think that it's like, you know, neat and tidy and orderly and well-balanced because it's really not. And mm-hmm. sometimes it looks like a bit of a mess and we're still kind of figuring it out. But I want there to be joy in the midst of the figuring it out. That's good. I think it's good to hear you say that people are listening because they'll be, they might be thinking, Sarah has four kids, she has written two books, you know, she speaks, she does all this other kind of stuff. And so it must all be easy and it must all fit well because she's doing it. But it is so good for us to hear from people to be like, it's really messy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't all fit in a box. No, and there's lots of things I say no to, you know, and I think that that's the other side as well is that there's seasons in our life. There's the way things kind of, you know, work together and don't. I think that there might be times in my life where I really can ramp up the work side of my life, you know, but other times like right now, I kind of, you know, dial it down a little bit because I've got a nursing baby and, Uh you know, all those different types of things. So I don't travel as much. I don't, you know, I'm not gone for more than, you know, maybe 24 or 48 hours and it requires, you know, ceases level you know, accountability to make sure everything oh my gosh. Yes. lined up for mom to be leaving right? the house, right? So it's a huge price for everybody to pay. Exactly. Uh, someone asked me just this week, they're like, hey, how can we pray for you and Aaron this week? And I was like, well, I'm leaving on Thursday to go out of town. And so whenever I travel, um, it sometimes brings stress because then, you know, Aaron has different responsibilities that he doesn't normally have when I'm here. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. it takes a lot for a mom to leave. Um, I feel like I've been listening to this new podcast called Magic Lessons with Elizabeth Gilbert. Have oh. you heard this? Yes, I love, I love that. I was, yes, I was actually going to talk to you about that another time. So okay. I'm glad that. I, okay, so what happened in my life? This is my processing. A couple of weeks ago, I interviewed a friend named Carrie Sowers. Do you know Carrie Sowers? Okay, so she said something very, at the end of our show, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about it, but when she said it, I literally have not stopped thinking about it. And she said, she said, I think that everyone was created to create, like we're all creative Mm -hmm. people. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not, like, I don't, I don't, I don't write music. I've never written a book. I don't paint anything. All of these things that I thought equal creative I'm like, I've never written a screenplay. You know what I mean? Like if you Mm -hmm. put like the list of creative stuff, but I cannot stop thinking about that. And I'm starting to think, Sarah, that I might be a creative person because like for me, like I created a show, like I created a podcast. So I'm like, does that make me a creative? And so my (laughs) my whole like world has been opened up to this new side of me. I'm like having this self awareness at 37 years old that I think I'm a creative. Yeah. But but I don't know how to live as a creative because I never when people talk about creatives I don't listen because I'm not a creative. And so I started listening to this podcast Magic Lessons with Elizabeth Gilbert and the I started at the end which I don't recognize I should have started at the beginning but the last one was with, was with Brené Brown. 
And I've never read any of her books. I know. I need to. <laughs> but it was so encouraging to me. And I'm like, and so then I start thinking about, okay, people being a creative and a mom. And today on the show, Cheryl Strayed, I was listening to her episode. And she said something like what you just said. She said, being a mom and a writer or whatever your creative thing is. She goes, sometimes you have to give more to one than the other. And she's talking about yeah. mothering versus her work. And she said, I know I'll get some backlash for that. But she said, when I was finishing writing Wild, I left for three weeks. And mm -hmm. she said, I knew some people would think, how do you leave a six and a seven-year-old, you're a mom, for three weeks? And she's like, but that's what I had to do in that moment, you know? Mm -hmm. And she said what you said, too. She's like, I don't want my kids to see me as a, like, I, I put myself into my work. So yeah. I have all these creative thoughts going on in my head that I just am like, can I call myself a creative? That's like this new thing for mm -hmm. me. It's weird. Yeah. No, I think that you can. And I think it's totally legit. I, I would have, I've always thought of you as someone who was creative. You've always been creating things like this. And you love to communicate and create connections between people. Um, you know, so I think that all those things add up. And I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, to me, I think there's something um, really fun for me for my children to see work as a blessing. Mm. And for it, them to see it as something that is honorable and good and worth making space for. And that my work is just as valuable and good, whether or not I'm getting paid for it, simply because I love to do it. Because yeah. um, there are seasons in my life where I made like, well, okay, let me be, years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't sell an article if I, you know, paid someone for yeah. it. <laughs> And, you know, and yet I was still scribbling on my lunch breaks mm -hmm. and, you know, bllogging after the babies went to bed at night just because I loved to do it. And you and had it, was, it in you. That, like it was like, in you. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and those doors, you know, yeah, they opened up at some point. But the truth is, is I'll be writing long after the lights go out and nobody's reading and paying mm -hmm. attention anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think that there is something inherent to us that we love to create. I feel like I'm a better mom when I'm being creative. Um, I can sometimes almost get this idea in my head, like, I'm just going to sacrifice my work in order to be a better mom. And what ends up happening is I end up becoming like, short tempered or irritable, or I get this big martyr complex right. kind of happening. of like, don't you see all the sacrifices? Yeah, right, <laughs> right. For you people. And instead, it's like when I am making time and space to feed my creative life, to write, um, to pursue the things that kind of fill the well of my creativity, I am a much better mother. Mm, yeah. I'm a better mother when I'm working. Yeah. And I think my children appreciate that. And I know my husband thinks I'm much better to live right. with. <laughs> when you have that outlet. For those things, yeah. right? When you have an outlet and you feel more like a person instead of just one aspect of your role. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's something really special there. I love that. And I think, um, I wasn't raised thinking about these things. And so for me, it was almost like this, to use your, like this martyr syndrome of like, well, I can't really do this because I have to be a really good mom or I can't really do this because I have to be a really good wife. And just somewhere along the way, I started figuring out that, like you're saying that these things can go well together. Like I can, they can make work. you almost better at them yes. because you're more fully yourself and yes. you're more fully engaged. Uh -huh. um, you feel like you have come alive. You're bringing your whole yes. self to the table, right? Uh -huh. And that yeah. that makes a huge change in all your relationships. It's the weirdest thing for me, like being 37 and trying and figuring out new things about yourself. 
it's kind of fun. And I'm just like, yeah. wow, this is great. I'm 37. And I just figured things out about myself, you know? <laughs> I think that we'll always be doing it. We'll be doing it when we have, you know, nobody left in the house. And Nobody's here. We'll have to redefine like- ourselves all over again and mm-hmm. not just as people who, mm-hmm. you know, want to do nothing but eat baking for supper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I don't have to cook for anybody anymore. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's (laughs) OnePeloton.com. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Sarah, you have... Okay, all four of your kids are just beautiful. But can I tell you that you're Evelyn. (laughs) Like when I see pictures of her, I just see joy. Is she a joyful person? She is. You know what? She is a very joyful, joyful child. But she is also a very intense child. (laughs) So you kind of have like, you know, that yin and yang thing, right? Of just whatever. The one thing about Evelyn that we all love and that really comes across in every area of her life is that whatever she does, it's with her very much whole heart. That is a good quality. It is. You know what? So if she's happy, her whole self is happy. And she is a joyful girl and goes through, I would say, 95% of her life with that kind of energy and enthusiasm. So her personality definitely matches her hair. She is so (laughs) just beautiful. Okay. I want to talk to you about your fourth baby, that before you got pregnant with your fourth child, you had made a decision that you were done with kids. Yes. And was that like, some people are just like, yeah, (laughs) we're done. (laughs) But wasn't Not only did I make like you know, I did not want to have any more kids. I wrote like this seminal post that went viral that talked about like the ache of after you don't have any more children and what this looks like to finally resolve that you're done, that this baby season of your life is over. And I, then I got pregnant. (laughs) It's just the best because it's just like God that you were like, I am so done. And I, and you're like, we're convincing yourself and everyone else that you were okay with it, but you were okay with it, right? Or were you not? what? No, I was okay with it. You know what? We, I had, um, 
we had only ever wanted to have, you know, two kids according to, you know, the plan, which means nothing. Um, You know, but we had a lot of struggles with um, miscarriages over the years. And so the ability to sort of plan and, and have sort of this, you know, cause and effect kind of thing happening wasn't really ours. And so there was a lot of, you know, grief and, and complications and things that were all involved in kind of our process of having children. So Evelyn was our one more. She was my just one more, please. I love this way more than I thought I would. And I'm just not ready to be done with pregnancy and babies and nursing and the whole thing. So we had her and then I probably grappled for about two years of feeling like, am I really done? Am I not really done? Some little part in my heart really wanted to have another baby, but everything in my life said that we would be satisfied and we were happy and fine and, you know, logistically and career and, you know, all the different things. And as the years sort of ticked along, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm really enjoying having big kids. And all of a sudden I didn't feel, you know, conflicted as much anymore about it. So I wrote, you know, that, that big post and, you know, kind of talked about how, um, you know, just it's worthwhile to notice the seasons of your life sort of passing, you know, and that that is something that that just happens. Your children grow up and all of a sudden you don't have babies anymore. And all of a sudden you're into big kid territory, which is wonderful. And I love big kids. So we went through all that. And then of course we, we found ourselves having um, a new baby, just like completely unexpected. It was absolutely, you know, shock. We, I mean, I just, I still still, I feel, still feel like laughing hysterically about it (laughs) when I think about it, because I'm like, you know, we had, our three first three kids in four years, so it was chaos. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, four years later, we have one brand new little baby, and it has just been you know harder on me physically. Mm-hmm. I think having a baby as an, uh, you know when you're a little bit older is just mm-hmm. is just different at 36 than it is at 26. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, but on the flip side, bringing home a baby to a house full of big kids has been awesome I've heard people say (laughs) that the best thing about having a baby is if you have big kids in the house like it's just like it's it's the best it is like nobody's got their nose out of joint really everybody's kind of secure in their place in the family and it's just like they're all you know starry-eyed over this brand new little baby and they just you know worship her and and Mm -hmm. It's like she's just holding court in the house at all times. <laughs> you know? She is the peacemaker. <laughs> she is. She brings everybody. She oh. brings everybody. So it's been really fun to see them move into that space and to have that. Um, I know when I got pregnant with her, it was really disorienting. Um, and it was complicated. You know, I was happy and I was really glad, but I was also like I said, just, it was a complete reorientation of the life that I thought I was living, of the way my, the direction my career was going, of the direction my home was going, and my children, and my life, and my marriage, and all the things. Yeah. Um, and so it was a little bit disorienting. But, you know, some, one that I remember my husband saying to me, you know, I really do wonder if this is, this is your little desire of the heart baby, hmm. you know, that you really did still want to have, have one last little baby, yeah. and this is just a gift, and we can just receive it as that. Um, and the funny thing is, is that now I don't have that ache. Mm. You feel complete. You know? Yeah, I do. I don't think I would, I don't think I could write that post ever again. Mm-hmm. I think that was a post for like one moment in my life. Um, but really it was probably indicative of the fact that I really needed Maggie. Mm. Well, you just shared that you had struggled with having, um, miscarriages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I had two miscarriages as well in my life. And I feel like when, when, when you have a friend and they have their first miscarriage and then you say to them something they never knew and you say, I've been there too. It's almost like they go, Oh really? I didn't know that. You know? So I feel like there are these, um, 
things in our life. It's not like you walk around with a sign that says, I've had two miscarriages. You know, it's just not <laughs> this common conversation. No. Um, but I feel like when you have it with a woman, especially someone who has just walked through that, it's like all of a sudden they look and feel like I'm not alone. Like, okay, this is happening. Um, yeah. So can we talk about when you, in your early pregnancy with Maggie? I think it's amazing story. I mean, it is. It's, it's, it's a crazy story. It's a crazy story. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't mean this story to be like, oh, if you're, you know, struggling with infertility, here's Sarah's story. This is going to happen to you. I don't say that at all. I say that I love this story because I feel like I remember um, listening to you, like having been through um, having miscarriages and then feeling this, like, I remember your pain. Um, mm -hmm. And then I remember the joy. And so can you just share that a little bit of that story um, about early on in your pregnancy with number four? Sure. Um, I've, you know, written about it a little bit here and there over the, the year since I found out I was having Maggie. But um, really, right as soon as I found out I was uh, pregnant, I was really scared, um, you know, because of our history and um, those complications and myself being older now. Um, I really was quite certain that this, I just had a bad feeling about it, mm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just kind of was like, I don't know if we should be getting the kids all excited about this yet. I don't really know how I feel about this. I don't really know how this is going to go. So we found out we were expecting her and I went right to the, the midwife to find out that everything was okay because it's typically something they like to do at this point in my, you know, in my life just because of my history. And, uh, and there was no heartbeat. And I was probably about eight weeks pregnant at the time. So it's still a little bit early, um, for sure. Not quite yet time to panic. Um, and then, you know, we let it go for a little while and I was, you know, definitely worried, um, especially because I think none of the usual kind of, not symptoms, but, you know, uh, things that indicate that your body's pregnant, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, like whether it's morning sickness or exhaustion or, you know, sore boobs or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like none of those things were happening for me. I felt the exact same as I did two months before as I right. did that day. And that is 100% how I always felt when I was having miscarriages. Uh, for my babies that I managed to deliver, um, I had morning sickness and I had all the things. And mm -hmm. so that was almost, I was one of those people who like, was really excited about puking. Right. You're like, this <laughs> you is know? a good thing. And then things were going well. So. Right. <laughs> and so when that wasn't happening, I was like, oh, you know, this is really not, not great. And so we went through a little bit longer and up to, to um, I think it was almost nine or ten weeks. There was still no heartbeat. And so they sent us in for a, um, a uh, ultrasound, you know, more, you know, a little bit more of a detailed one just to kind of see what was going on. And we were... At this point, I think I had given up. You know, I don't know that I really had a lot of faith at that point. Mm -hmm. um, I was really more preparing for the worst. Um, I had really sort of let it go. Um, and at that point, I really, you know, kind of turned to my husband and I turned to, you know, some, a few trusted friends and, um, you know, my family and just said, you can have faith for me. Mm. You can believe for me. But I, you know, this isn't going to be a big story about how I you know, just stood on the word and, mm -hmm. you know, all the, the things happened because I didn't really have a lot more than a lot of grief. I didn't mm -hmm. even have unbelief. I just had more just grief and mm -hmm. sadness. Mm -hmm. Did your husband have faith? Did and you we feel, went in for that. Pardon me? Did you feel like that, um, that Brian, did you feel, did, did he carry that? Did he feel faithful or? I think so. Okay. I think he did. You know, he was really still, still hopeful. He was still, um, you know, believing for the best. 
Um, and he was happy to kind of shoulder that, mm. you know, and just let me just sort of rest in it, mm-hmm. if that, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So we went for one final um, check just uh, before we were, they were going to book procedures just to sign, kind of, you know, I guess finish everything off. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, with all my other miscarriages, I let them sort of happen naturally mm-hmm. um, as my body sort of, you know, wanted that to happen. And this time I just was like, I can't do it again. Mm. I can't do it again. I cannot go into labor for a baby that will not live again. Yeah. And so we were just kind of doing one last check before they were booking those procedures. And we went in just to kind of get an idea for what was going on. And we're sitting there in silence and the technician knew what was, you know, going on. And so there was none of this like false right. hilarity or mm-hmm. anything like that, yeah. you know. And all of a sudden she just sat up and she went, 173 beats a minute. Oh my God. And we just sat up and we went, what? And she's like, there's a heartbeat and it's going 173 beats a minute. The baby's alive. And we just burst oh. into tears. Oh my like gosh. just burst into tears. And I have just, I, can, I still can't even tell you what that moment felt like, uh, feeling like that was happening. Mm-hmm. And so there was a steady heartbeat. There was a baby there where there had been no heartbeat. And I still don't know what to say about that or what mm-hmm. to think about it. I don't know if it was a miracle or if it was just, we missed it and it just didn't show up or what was mm-hmm. going on. But all I know is that there was nothing and then there was. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we continued throughout the pregnancy, even having other moments where I wasn't really sure like she um, was very late to move mm-hmm. um, all my other children had moved at like 14 weeks and 15 weeks and 16 mm-hmm. weeks and I didn't feel Maggie move until I was 20 weeks pregnant mm-hmm. and so that four weeks between when I was expecting her to move and when she actually started moving was a really long four yeah weeks yeah me. you know so by the time we finally you know delivered her and she was here and she was safe I just felt like we had been, been through a war together yeah. Uh, yeah through that whole pregnancy it just was one thing after another and then I wasn't well and it just was such a different experience than my mm-hmm. other pregnancies and it just I mean it just felt like crossing a finish line and we were just getting started right right <laughs> so I love so much about that story but you when you told me that you contacted you told your husband and your family like you gotta gotta have faith for me because I can't yeah. I can't do this and then you went through the 40 weeks and you, and you, and you struggled to feel her move. And so there was that stress again. And then finally, like you have delivery and you have Maggie, how would you say your faith has been altered? You know, I think that one of the things that have really settled for me, um, you know, cause I came, I came from a, a tradition that seemed to be more cause and effect about how we pray. Uh, if we pray in a certain way, if we believe in a certain way, then you will get these answers. Um, and things that didn't line up with those answers meant not that God was bad or wrong, uh, but rather that, that you were, that there was mm. something that you were missing. So, I mean, I think that there's, there's benefits to being raised that way because on the one hand, I mean, I felt like right from the start, my understanding of the nature and character of God was as profoundly good, mm. that there was no darkness, mm. there was no shadow, there was no turning in God towards me, that God's heart for me was wholeness and goodness and life and beauty and, you know, all those things, uh, Mm -hmm. healing, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that was a beautiful picture of God to grow up with. But then on the flip side, you have this burden of, well, then I screwed up, Mm -hmm. then I'm doing something wrong if bad things happen, right? And sometimes, and it's not, you know, so, but on the other side, there's, you know, people who believe that you know, different things about God, you know, is that or this angry, mean judge who doles out, mm-hmm. you know, gifts appropriately to mm-hmm. your behavior or whatever mm-hmm. else, right? So for me, what I felt like I kind of learned about faith was that first of all, I knew nothing. <laughs> and that that became almost okay with me. Hmm. Um, 
I really found a lot of comfort in the story, in the parable that Jesus tells about the persistent widow, mm-hmm. about how this woman who had been done wrong by it stands outside a judge and, and hammers on the door and waits and begs and does not leave until he finally relents and gives her the justice that she is seeking. Mm-hmm. And God is not the judge in that story, right? God is more the, the you know, father and the prodigal son, right? The one who runs down mm-hmm. the the road to meet the one who has has walked away mm-hmm. with just that exuberance and the and that connection. But I felt like she was kind of my only hope. Like I didn't I didn't know what would be the end result. I didn't know if I would get what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what I wanted, but I knew it was worthwhile to keep knocking. Yeah. And so I just said, you know what, here's what I believe God wants for me. Mm-hmm. Here's what I what I believe about the nature and character of God. Here's what I believe his heart is towards me and towards all of humanity. And so I'm just going to keep praying and knocking in that direction and because I believe it's worthwhile to do. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sarah, I love, I love the story of your fourth child. I <laughs> really, really do. And I don't, I don't love it because like, um, I don't even think I love it because of such of the miracle that it is, if that's what it is, but I love it because that God, you had come to terms and said, I feel like I'm okay with this, but God always had his plan. Like he always yeah. knew what was best for Sarah um, mm-hmm. and for Brian and for all of your kids. Like he always knew. And so even when you felt like, you know what? I think I'm okay. God was like, but mm-hmm. I have something, I have something coming for you. Yeah. You know, I have something for you that you don't even know how much you need. Um, that's why I love that story so much. It's it just, just so beautiful. I feel like, um, you know, every child you have really changes you. There's a before and an after, Mm -hmm. you know, it's always, and sometimes you don't know how much your life is being turned around until it's sort of being turned inside out a few times. Mm -hmm. Um, And each one of my children has been that for me. They have been a reorienting, they have been uh, brought such richness and depth, uh, not only to my life and and hopefully, um, but, you know, to my understanding of of who God is Mm -hmm. and of, you know, our purposes and how we connect with one another and what those things mean. But the experience of having Maggie and what we walked through with her and then what we went through, um, you know, during her delivery, which I haven't really talked a lot about and probably won't ever, um, you know, it just, I felt like there was so much that was healed and set free and solidified mm-hmm. and yet released, right, in that time. It was a real sifting yeah, experience yeah. for me in a lot of ways, um, you know, and I, I will always be incredibly grateful for that. And I want to pay attention uh, when God shows up in these, these seemingly small and mundane ways that somehow are the most holy, as good as it gets kind mm-hmm. of moments of our yeah. lives. Yeah. I think sometimes it's hard to pay attention. I, I like what you said about paying attention. I think sometimes it feels hard to pay attention um, unless we're like really, really, really thinking, I'm going to pay attention here. And I know that sounds like a redundant <laughs> situa- a s- statement, but the world well, is it so... requires intentional. Yes. Right? It requires yeah. to be intentional, to be like, today... I'm going to, to use a silly phrase, like stop and smell the roses. Today, I'm going to look around and see the small things that matter. Um, and I think that's hard, but I think it's good for us um, as people and as women, for mm-hmm. sure, to be able to do that. Totally. You know, I feel like God often hides in plain sight in our right now life, hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's just, you know, I think that sometimes we can think that it has to look a certain way or we've got to be this big evangelical hero or it's only in these big mountaintop experiences or only these people who are off and doing incredible, amazing mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead, we often find God in the, the dailiness of our lives. Yeah. Um, you know, really, I have, I have felt like 
when I encounter God, whether it's, you know, through laundry or through my children or through my community or through whatever else, it's like, oh, I'm always kind of surprised. Like, oh, well, God's right. meeting me here too. And this is changing me too. And it's like, I don't have to be off in the, you know, mission field or, yeah. you know, whatever else. It just looks, you know, big faith looks a lot like faithfulness. Yeah. And, and for us to understand that it can change your world because then these things, I mean, this is like what Emily Freeman talks about in her new book. It can change the way that we do everyday things, or it can change the way we think about everyday things. Um, For me personally, I love motherhood, but like you said, there are some parts that I don't like. And so for me to take those, some things about my kids that drive me crazy, um, you know, and then to try to find the moments in those Try to mm-hmm. look at that moment and be like, there's something here for me. I know it, you know, yeah. and what is it instead of resisting it? So wonderful. It is. So wonderful. Yeah, it is. Hey guys, before we get back to the show with Sarah, I want to tell you about an organization called Love With Food. They're also a sponsor of the happy hour and lovewithfood.com is the easiest way to snack smart and do good. Discover and try the best organic or all-natural snacks delivered to your door for as low as $10 a month membership fee. They also have gluten-free memberships. For every box sent, at least a meal is donated to Feed Hungry Children in America. To date, Love With Food has donated more than 700,000 meals. So what are you gifting this holiday season? What about a gift that gives back? Love With Food Snack Subscription is a great way to try and discover new and all-natural snacks delivered to your door monthly. It's a great gift that keeps on giving. I have a code for you. Use the code LOVEJAMIE to save $5 on any subscription plan today. Go to lovewithfood.com. Use the code LOVEJAMIE. Why not give love with food this holiday season? It's the gift that keeps on giving. All right, guys, back to the show. Okay, Sarah, let's move on to something that's not so um, deep and like (laughs) not going to make me cry over here. (laughs) I want to know, you're a writer, and I've told people that at the beginning, but you have a book come out in 2013 2013, Jesus Feminist. You have a book coming out in November, which by the time this airs will already be out. And so I hope that when people are listening that it has done wonderfully well. Um, Out of Sorts, Making Peace with an um, Evolving Faith. And you wrote that in the midst of your pregnancy. Is that true? Yes, I did. It was awful. I don't recommend it. (laughs) I was like, that's a lot going on. (laughs) I wrote my first book um, when I I started it when I was on maternity leave with my third. And of course, here in Canada, you get a year of maternity leave. Um, And so I had like a four-year-old and a two-year-old and a brand new baby. And and people would always say to me, how did you manage to write a book? And now I know the answer to that question. The answer is, you know, they napped and they had really small lives, right? Like nobody was in school. I wasn't chasing anybody around to girl guides and basketball and, uh you know, friendship dynamics. It was like they all went to bed at seven o'clock at night and they all took, you know, had either naps or quiet time. And, you know, so the, our lives were really, you know, in a really good predictable rhythm. Whereas now it feels like a three ring circus. (laughs) (laughs) They're all older and then you have a new baby in the mix. And so it's like my kids go between nine, you know, which is, is kind of on that precipice of tween years and all the things that come along with that. And then all the way across the whole spectrum. Right. And so it was hard. You know what? This was a hard one to write. It was, it, it was deep subject matter that I was really wrestling with. You know, I wrote it more for the people um, who find themselves wandering a little bit, mm. who feel a little bit like they don't belong anymore, that they are sort of in between what they used to believe or think. 
um, and they haven't quite landed somewhere yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're questioning and they're kind of sifting and figuring out, you know, what are some of the things about my faith and my beliefs that I want to keep? And what are some of the things that I want to release? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all those different types of things. And so it's not so much, you know, a book about, you know, here's where I've landed and go ahead and make sure your opinions all match mine because uh-huh. I'm so right. Right. You know, it's more about, um, you know, having permission you know, to sort of um, begin that process and to not be afraid Mm. of asking those questions, that God is wanting to meet you in that space. So deeply important to me because I went through that myself. This is like Um, your journey. I mean, in a way, yeah. It's a part of my own story. But then on top of that, you know, you've got an unexpected pregnancy and all these other things happening. So it was a huge amount of work. It took a lot out of me um, to get done. And then, of course, I was editing with a newborn, um, you know, I'm glad, and I think it brought a real um, different tone to the book because, I mean, it was a lot more raw. It was a yeah. lot more like in the trenches with uh-huh. this thing um, that I'm sure comes across in the book, but I don't think I'd ever do that again. <laughs> You're like, that was the last time. <laughs> and last time. Well, you don't have to do that again since I you don't. got your four babies. There you go. I do. There you go. Um, okay, what are you reading right now, Sarah? Uh, I've got a few on the. I'm one of those people who reads like half a dozen books at the same time. I love and that. It's, it's hard for me to do, but I do like when people do it. I'm like, I I give you a lot of props for that. Oh, I just I read based on my mood, and so and I read a lot. I know I don't. Uh, it's just something that I you know. So I, I'm reading uh, William Paul Young's new novel Eve. Okay, it's a retelling kind of a Madeline Langell fantasy version of the um, Garden of Eden story. Okay, um, so I'm reading that one. I'm reading Hands Free Life. Uh, I just forgot the gal's name, though, off the top of my head. It's not singing in front of me. Um, Rachel, I'm re-reading. maybe Rachel something. Am I off? Thing or other. I think I you know. might be right. I feel really bad. I don't remember her name. It's okay. Not in front of me. Oh, well, so Hands-Free Life uh, is another one that I'm I'm reading right now. I'm also reading Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I'm super excited about that one. Um, and then I am reading um, uh, the gospel. Uh, what's the name of it again? I think it's called, like, Telling the Truth by Friedrich Buechner. Okay. Um, the Gospel is Tragedy, Comedy, and Fairy Tale. Fantastic book. Someone just told me on the show that they were reading that. Oh, my I can't stars. remember who it was. It's one of those books that I read and I'm like, I quit everything. <laughs> I'm like, done. <laughs> Hang it up. This is everything. I'm done. I'm just going home now. I'm just going to like read novels the rest of my I'm life. I'm just going to read and drink tea. That's what you would do. That's pretty much 100% what's going to happen. Yes. So yes. those are the ones reading like right now kind of in the thick of it. Uh, loving all of them. I love to read poetry and novels and spiritual memoirs and nonfiction all over the place. So I love. That. I I always think of you when you when I see poetry because I'm like, all right, Sarah likes to read that, and I have never a day in my life since high school read poetry. Oh, I'm this miss- is a sad story to I me. Know, I'm missing out. Huh? <laughs> I know. I remember hearing once um, one of my favorite poets is Lucy Shaw, and I heard her speak one time, and she uh, a couple of times actually. I've I've been to readings of hers. Um, amazing woman. She's like 85. She's got really short, cro- close cropped white hair. She goes camping. She has a tattoo. She's like my spirit animal. Yeah. And so I remember hearing her once say that poets have like this slender antenna that just combs the air looking for signals from <laughs> yeah. another universe. And I always feel like when I read poetry, it kind of helps me like hear what they hear and see what they see and see my life more clearly. It just distills things to a more you know, the essence of it. I love it. I, I it, maybe need to give it a try. Yeah. I need to give it a try. It's Where good. should I start? Where should I start, Sarah? 
Um, one of my favorites is Lucy Shaw. Okay. Uh, she's a living poet right now. I also really like uh, Mary Oliver and Wendell Berry. Okay. Either any of those three would be would be a great place to start for sure. I'm going to start. Um, there's a lot of other ones as well too that are great. But Perfect. That's good okay. What are the three things you're loving these days, Sarah Bessie? Oh, three things I'm loving these days. Well, first of all, it's fall here. Which is um, awesome. I, yes, it's amazing. So, I mean, just the colors. I mean, everything's crimson and... Oh, you know, gold and orange in the sky is so blue. Just gorgeous, gorgeous weather here right now. Um, and I have fallen absolutely head over heels with, um, like, flavored tea. Because you're so a tea drinker. I'm a huge tea drinker. Okay. But usually I'm more of, like, a purist. I'm, like, a black tea, English breakfast, Earl Grey. On, <laughs> when I'm feeling fancy, Earl Grey. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm more of, like, a purist on that. But I have discovered this place called David's Tea. Uh, it's, they have shops here in Canada. I think I might have a few in the States too, but they have a lot of different, like they do like a seasonal tea kit every okay. year. So I, they have like pumpkin chai and then they have like a maple sugar and I am just like making a fresh pot of something new and delicious every day. And it feels so fall and you just curl up with your book or you kind of wander around with your mug in your hand as you're kind of going about your day and it just is perfect. Uh, okay. What's the second thing you're loving? Uh, second thing I'm loving, Great British Bake Off. What is, is this? It is a TV show. Okay. First of all, I am like a huge devotee of British television. It is it is amazing. I love British television. I love Doctor Who and Downton Abbey and Call the Midwife. And all my favorite shows are British shows. But- which, which I'm going to just let you in. I mean, I'm feeling like that we can't be friends. I've never, I don't read poetry. <laughs> I don't drink tea. And I don't watch British TV either. This is fine. But you these know are all are. the things I love about you so much. I know. And there are things, so many things about you that I love that you bring <laughs> other things into my life. This is what's good. If we were the exact same, we wouldn't need to be friends. It would be boring too. Okay. <laughs> tell me about boring. this British show. So Great British Bake Off is a reality TV show. It's kind of like, um, well, it, it is. It's a, it's a baking competition. And it's uh, judged by these two people named Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood. You cannot make these names up. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> And it is a delight. Like, it is a confection of a show. And so it, I think it's on Netflix now, like the first season, but okay. they're up to like season seven, or I think. Um, it is just an absolute delight. It is the show you watch when you just want to be happy or you want to just enjoy yourself because there's none of the, like, you know, the, one of the things I don't like about a lot of reality TV is like this is, there's this nasty undertone to it. Uh-huh. And that isn't there. You know, it's very much like just about it's about baking and it is about the, you know, like just the people are so interesting and funny and it's kind of quirky and it's just, you know, lots of drama, but it is just a lovely and bright, you know, delight of a show. And so great British bake off is a great way to be happy. Okay. It sounds marvelous. It is. It's great. super fun. We used to watch, like, um, like the stuff they make is insane. Uh, <laughs> and then you, even... just, you just are in love. Oh, totally. Oh, I love it. Okay. What's your third thing? Well, the third thing I was going to say was actually Elizabeth Gilbert's podcast. So now I feel like I need to come up with something else all of a sudden off no, the top of my head. I that can not. totally be your third thing. And I love that you said that because it's, it would be one of my top three things today as well. It is crazy. Elizabeth Gilbert makes me feel like I should be writing novels and like, you know, just all this other stuff. I don't know what it is, but I listen to that show and I'm like, 
I feel like an artist again. I feel like I want to create things again. And I feel like life is good and alive with possibility. And I just, yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit hilarious. I, after I finish, like I go on my little walk and I listen to my podcast and I come home and I walk in and I said to my husband, I'm like, Elizabeth Gilbert says I need to have an affair with my art. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> It made sense at the time. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I told you already. I was listening to it today before we got on the got on air, and I was driving. And I literally felt like you just said. I felt like, I can do this. Like, oh, I can, start. I can go do this. And, I mean, it was. it's so encouraging. And it doesn't matter what you're creating or what your art is or what your job is. It's about, like, production and promotion, yes. payment and blah, right? It's about the good stuff. Yes creating and doing something. It's amazing. It's so wonderful. So I will probably, so I've already listened to the first two episodes and I started number three already. And then I've already listened to the last one. I don't know if it's the last one, but the latest one with Brene Brown, but I will finish all of these in the next two days because I just, I, I, <laughs> I get in the car and I turn it on and I put it on like speed and a half. Have you ever done that on your podcast when you're listening? I haven't. That's so brilliant. Though. You get talk very slow. Yes. And so um, you, at first you're like, I can't listen to this because they sound like chipmunks because it's fast. But then you get used to it and you're like, you, you, so it goes faster. All that to say, I can devour right. podcasts easier when I speed it up a little bit. Oh, you know what? That is a great idea because I often sort of wonder when people manage to listen to all the things and watch all the things uh -huh. that apparently everybody is able to watch and listen and do. Right. And I feel like I'm just like missing it because I'm all, I'm more of an introvert by temperament mm -hmm. and I like a lot of quiet and my children are very loud. <laughs> so it's like, I don't listen to music because I'm like, I already have a pretty good noise level in this house at all times. I don't need to add layers of more noise. Exactly. And so the only time I listen to things is if I'm walking by myself or if I'm like driving by myself, which yeah. happens like never. I know. Yeah. So plus I think that's part of the reason why I like Elizabeth Gilbert's is because hers are like, you know, 15 or 20 minutes. Yep. And so, so I, I feel like I can just kind to. of like snatch it and just kind of carry on. So Except it's been good for, for me. I always want to be, I always want to rewind because I'm like, I need to hear that again. What did I you just know. say? That was so wonderful. It is um, good. Okay. Well, Cheryl Strayed was like phenomenal, yes. you know, in terms of what you were talking, we were talking about earlier about mm -hmm. like the motherhood versus kind of your vocation or calling and. You know, that was, it's really very freeing. Yeah, very, very wonderful. I Did you read her book, Wild? I did a long time ago, though. I don't remember much about it. Yeah, I read it a while ago as well. But anyhow, okay, Sarah Bessie, thank you so much. Oh, are you kidding me? I have so enjoyed our chat, Jamie. I love talking to you. So I, I, I love it as well. And I had, I did a little periscope before we got on and I was like, I can't wait to talk to Sarah for so many reasons, but, but I also love how she says mom. <laughs> I was like, I just love listening to her. So oh. thank you for letting me listen to your beautiful accents. Oh, thank you so much, Jamie. I've enjoyed our chat. You have a good rest of your day, hey? You too. Okay, bye. Bye. Wasn't that a great chat with Sarah? I absolutely loved her Canadian accent and her wisdom about what being a mom and achieving balance really means. And the story about our daughter, Maggie, really, really great stuff. As usual, any books that we talked about on the happy hour, you can find them at jamieivy.com slash happy hour books. I want to remind you that during the Christmas season, a big way to help out the happy hour is to shop on Amazon using my referral link. If you're like me, you will be getting some last minute stocking stuffers, last minute gifts, and Amazon is your best friend during December, especially if you have the prime two day shipping. But all you need to do if you want to help out the happy hour is go to jamieivy.com slash Amazon. 
and that link's going to take you straight to Amazon and you just do any and all of your Christmas shopping. But you buying gifts is going to actually give a little bit back to the show and that helps me with my expensive for putting on the podcast. Again, it's jamieivy.com slash Amazon. Go there, finish your Christmas shopping and help your favorite podcast at the same time. Guys, remember everything we chatted about will be up on my website, jamieivy.com and I actually would love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter. It's at Jamie underscore Ivy. Find me on Instagram. It's Jamie Ivy. Find me on Facebook, Jamie Ivy, and share with me something that you love from this episode. I truly love hearing your thoughts every single week. Today's show is edited by Knox McCoy, and the music is from Austin Stone Worship's A Day of Glory Christmas album that you can find on iTunes. Next week, my guest is going to be Jamie Nato, who has such a great outlook on marriage. Her and her husband walked through some really tough years a while back. And her and I had one of my favorite conversations about marriage ever on the show. Um, you're going to love that show with Jamie Nato, whether you are married or not. It goes way beyond that. So look for us next week. I know it's right before Christmas, but maybe you'll be traveling or maybe you just need to head to another room when you um, have a bunch of people at your house and need to have a little retreat with me and Jamie. Um, guys, enjoy your week. It's almost Christmas. I hope that you are enjoying your family. I hope you're relaxing. And I hope that you are anticipating celebrating the birth of Jesus. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend and tell me about it, guys. I will see you next week with my friend, Jamie Nato. Jamie.